Thank you. Actually, that last phrase there, and they glorified your name for me, reminds me of last week's message. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 8, where I actually go back to beginning in verse 4. We kind of covered that towards the end of last week's message. But you remember the reference that Saul was persecuting the church, and his testimony later was they heard that he who once persecuted the church now preaches the gospel, and they glorified God in me. Our lives need to reflect a transformation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. They are becoming new. It's in the linear tense. My life needs to be reflecting to God's glory. That accurate opinion that God Almighty loves individuals saves and redeems us by his grace through faith in his son jesus christ and that it only saves and redeems us but transforms us so that he can use us so that we also like paul can proclaim his gospel so that others may be glorified so that god may be glorified in other sights through our life we're going to be looking this morning in acts chapter 8 verses 4 to 12 we will read through this account Three main things that I want you to see here, speaking of God's intentions, you're going to see three intentions of God in this passage that I trust will challenge your heart this morning if you are a born-again believer. Beginning in verse 4, the Bible says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many had taken with with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great power of god and to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries but when they believed philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of god and the name of jesus christ they were baptized both men and women We saw that in Acts chapter 1, and we'll see this again in a moment. I'm going to emphasize a particular part of the Great Commission that Jesus gives in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, but also in Acts 1, 8, as he speaks to the apostles right before he ascends back to heaven, where he says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and unto Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And here we see God's command, Christ's command, being carried out by the apostles and also by other believers. They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Philip was one of the seven deacons, a Hellenistic Jew that had a godly testimony So godly that the the church at Jerusalem agreed that Philip, along with six other men, met spiritual qualifications laid out by the apostles to be deacons and to meet the practical needs and oversight of the church. Administering specifically the question and how that came up was through the administration of resources to the widows. For the Hellenistic Jewish Christian widows were being neglected, overlooked, 
that, that were being missed in the ministrations. It was becoming too much for the apostles. Remember that the early church by that point was probably somewhere around twenty to 25,000 believers. And so it was getting to be a lot. And, and, and they said, rightly so, the apostles said, it is not fitting for us to leave the ministry of teaching and preaching the word and prayer in order to administrate these things. And so they looked for these seven godly men and they appointed them. The church appointed them. Philip was one of those that was appointed. At this point, Philip does not bear the title of Philip the Evangelist. And I believe that that is a significant omission in this part because it is actually given, he is called Philip the Evangelist later on in the book of Acts. We will come and we'll see Philip in other, other portions of uh, the book of Acts later on. But the thing that we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, is that they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So here is the first of God's intentions that I want you to see this morning. God intends for Christians to scatter gospel seed everywhere. In Mark 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're going to talk in a minute about how does that translate to our practical everyday living as believers. Because we, God intends all Christians to scatter the seed everywhere. Why? Well, because God is working in hearts, preparing soil to receive seed. Do you believe that? God is preparing hearts. What did Jesus say to the disciples in Matthew chapter 9? Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Hey, open your eyes. Stop being so focused on your own life and your own problems and your own need. Don't be so wrapped up in your own to-do list. Don't be so discouraged by difficulties and trials that you're always staring at your feet. Don't always be looking around what everybody else is experiencing. He said, lift up your eyes. And he told him to look at a specific place. What did he tell him? Look on the fields. For they are white, all ready to harvest. Folks, there are folks that are ready to hear the gospel message. For some, the seed of the gospel has been planted and it has been watered. And the, and the spirit of God and in its direct timing is bringing them to that point of decision. And we should be praying. And this will be something I'll bring out in a minute. We should be praying for divine appointments. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. What is Jesus also assuming when he tells the apostles to pray that God would send laborers into the harvest? That they themselves were going to go, right? So they themselves were to go. We are to go. This is God's intention for all believers that we are to be scattering seed. Why? Because God is preparing hearts. The seed is being planted in good soil and watered. We have the opportunity to be a part of that process. How? Well, praying for opportunities, gospel opportunities, and exercising vigilance to recognize, recognize those opportunities. Where? Where do we go? The, the, these, these disciples, they were scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching the word. Now we understand, if you study out the context, most of these Jews, probably, the ones that were scattered, were the ones that were not originally from Jerusalem. You remember the day of Pentecost, that Jews from all over the known world would come to Jerusalem. It was the most attended of the three major uh, observances um, in the Jewish religion in that time period. And so Jews from all over the known world would come. And on the day of Pentecost, the apostles are preaching in languages. And all of these men heard the gospel being preached in their language. 
And it was evidence of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And it was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And they preached the word of God. And on that day, 3,000 men were saved. Many of those who were saved were from other parts of the world. They weren't from Jerusalem. And when the persecution comes, we see, for instance, Stephen, the first martyr. He was also one of the deacons and most likely a Hellenistic Jew. And he's persecuted. And so we believe that though the persecution came heavily upon the church in Jerusalem, both for those that would have been more of the traditional Hebraic Jews as well as for those that would have been more the Hellenistic the Greek influence type of Jews, those who come to Christ and believe they were being persecuted. But we believe it was those that had been tearing at Jerusalem. They had been learning under the apostles, teaching and preaching. They were growing spiritually. They were being equipped. And now in God's time, because God is sovereign, he allowed Saul to persecute the church. He allowed the Sanhedrin to turn against the church. And always remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is sovereign. God transcends all his creation. We do not underestimate our enemy, the devil. But you know what? He is a created being. Only God is eternal. And our God in his providence, allowing this persecution, caused those Hellenistic Jews to be scattered back to their home regions. And wherever they went, they didn't go into hiding. Folks, wherever they went, they were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ because God intends all Christians to scatter the seed of the gospel everywhere. But what are some places for us? What if, and I pray this doesn't happen, but it's already happened since I've been pastor here and I know it'll happen again. But what if God transfers you out of the state or out of this part of the state because of work? God may put you in a whole new community. God may move you uh, because you retire and you move to another area of the country in your retirement, maybe to be closer to your kids and grandkids or because, you know, uh, Florida is a nice place to retire to or whatever. And so you move, right? Scatter the seed where you're moved. What about those of you that go to college? To be a gospel witness in the college that you attend or to the community that surrounds that college if you're going to live on campus or near campus. Wherever God scatters us, we can proclaim the gospel even if you're just staying in the area. How, how about the places that you shop on a regular basis? You know, one of the things that Pastor Straub did that I still get to take advantage of is often he would go over to the Ace Hardware not too far from here to get supplies when we had to work on the, the physical plant here at the church. And he would talk and get to know those folks and he, and he had a godly testimony and he would share the gospel wherever he had an opportunity. And you know what? When I, I go over there and I say, hey, you remember, do you remember Pastor Straub? Oh yeah, I remember Pastor Rob. Yeah. And, and then we can talk and, and it often gives me a segue into the gospel again. And now I've built a relationship with the people over there because I knew that Rob had laid that foundation. Hey, what about the places that you frequent where you shop? Restaurants where you, maybe you, you frequent the same restaurant often. Uh, maybe it's another place. Where, how about when you go on vacation? You know, just because we go on vacation and we're away from work and the normative things of life doesn't mean that we should be on vacation from scattering the seed of the gospel. Because you know what? If you believe that God is sovereign, then you don't believe in chance. 
And if you make yourself available to be a gospel seed sower, God will give you opportunities. You say, how can you be so confident? Because he's the one who gave us the command to go and scatter gospel seed. But second of all, I want you to see that God intends Christians to scatter gospel seed even where we don't want to. Look, if you would, with me in verse 5. The Bible says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The Samaritans. You remember that under Solomon's son, God divided the kingdom, and so there were the two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, that made up the kingdom of Judah. And then you had the ten northern tribes. They called themselves the nation of Israel. After a series of wicked kings in the northern ten tribes in Israel, God's judgment came upon them and Assyria conquered them and took them away captive. When they did, they left the poorest of the Jews in the land. And specifically in that area, they actually relocated the poorest of the Jews into the central part of of Israel, which would be the Samaritan region. And then they brought in from other regions of the empire, other uh, 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 people that they had conquered for the purpose of actually having them intermarry and kind of obliterate nationality lines. It's a lot easier to dominate a people if they don't have a clear national identity. And so that's what had happened. And then when the Jews came back from the exile, they also intermarried with the Gentiles that were in that Samaritan region. By the New Testament times, the Samaritans had kind of established their own version. It was a convoluted religion, kind of a form of Judaism. But they only accepted the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Old Testament were the only ones they recognized as Scripture. Nothing else in the Old Testament did they accept as Scripture. They actually built their own temple on Mount Gerizim so that they could have their own place to worship God. And so there was great animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. They were compromisers. They, 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 they had a convoluted form of Judaism. The, 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 fair, the, 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 the Samaritans and the Jews didn't want to have any dealings with each other. Right? Often when Jews would go from Galilee in the north to Judea in the south, instead of going the easy way straight through Samaria, they would actually cross through a mountainous region across the Jordan River, go through mountainous territory all the way along the east side of the Jordan River, and then when they got down uh, level with the the Judea area, they'd cross through the mountain range, cross the river, more mountain range, and into the southern region rather than go through Samaria. You remember, though, that there was a point in Jesus' earthly ministry where Jesus went smack through Samaria. And remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And how many people believed on Christ. Well, in Acts 1.8, part of that commission that Jesus gave the apostles was, and ye shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Well, wouldn't under the uttermost part of the earth kind of cover Samaria? Couldn't Jesus have said, hey, listen, preacher in Jerusalem, this is where I want you to start and then start spreading out to Judea and then go to the uttermost part of the earth. Why did he actually say, 
and in Samaria. Because he knew the propensity, even of born-again Christians who were Jews, to be prejudiced. And we have a beautiful example of Philip obeying this commission as he's sent by God. And he goes to Samaria to preach the gospel to people that in his natural state and with his natural prejudice with, through which he was raised and what had been the culture in his society for generations, he broke that for the sake of the Great Commission. To scatter gospel seed everywhere, even to people that he may not have in his flesh wanted to. But I want you to see something. Look in verse 5. The Bible says, and preached Christ unto them. You know what he doesn't do? He does not correct their culture. He does not address their history. And say, guys, you need to get all of this right. What does he do? He gets straight to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he preaches Christ unto them. And look at the response. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Again, the miracles which God allowed and performed through Philip were to confirm the message that he was preaching to the Samaritans. Matter of fact, part of the, what we'll see here in a few minutes is that one, Simon the sorcerer, had confused and befuddled the Samaritans, and they actually had followed him. He had them, for his own selfish purposes, wrapped up in this delusion, and, and they were, that's whom they were following. That, literally, that's who they were worshiping. And this was something that was very common, the word magi. We think of the three wise men, the magi. Okay, there were these what we call lesser magi, these charlatans who would use trickery and science, and I believe in some instances, satanic influence to befuddle the people, to confuse them so that they themselves could take personal advantage of these multitudes of people. And so when Philip comes... And Jesus Christ, through Philip, is casting out demons and healing people that were lame and paralyzed. They see there is a greater power than the power of Simon. There is an authentic power of God. They thought that Simon was the power of God, that he had the power of God upon him. And Philip made out himself, in a very general sense, to be some great man. And so God is confirming through the signs and wonders and this is a very common thing. Simon is not alone in this. There were many charlatans throughout the known world that would perform these, quote, magic arts to deceive people and keep them in fear or to cause them to want to worship so they could take great personal advantage of them. But he's preaching Christ. And the Bible says that they were, when the Bible says that they were taking heed with one accord, it means that they together were literally holding on in the mind to the gospel that was being preached. And they were seeing the miracles that Christ was doing through, through Philip. What were these miracles? Well, demons were being cast out. Verse 7, unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Many taken with palsies, that is, that they, they, were, they were different diseases or through um, some physical incident, they were paralyzed. That's what it's talking about with palsies. 
And then those that were lame were healed. No wonder there was great joy in that city. But I believe the greatest joy was not just in that demons were cast out and that lame were healed because God works as a response to man's faith. And I believe the message of the gospel that Philip is preaching and the signs and the wonders that he is doing is drawing men's attention not to Philip. Philip wasn't wanting people to convert to him from Simon. He was wanting people to convert from believing and following the false teaching and the, and the trickery of Simon to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preaches Christ to them. And there was great joy. It's our word. It's the literally Greek word mega. There was mega joy. You know, there's a constant, there, there's a consistent theme though. Look, I'm going to read this and I want you to look for a theme. You can sum it up in one word. Look, Philip preached Christ unto them. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many with palsies and they were lame were healed. What? is the one common theme that we see of Philip's ministry in, Philipp- in, in Samaria. You ready for this? Freedom. Freedom. Because demons are keeping people tortured and in slavery. And when the demons are cast out, they are free from the slavery and the torture of the demons. It's freedom. Men who are paralyzed, men who are lame, they are now free. They can get up, they can walk, they can move, they've been healed. There's great freedom where they were so limited before. And oh, what wonderful and the greatest freedom of all is freedom, not only from the penalty of eternal death in the lake of fire because of our sin, but the very freedom from the dominating, enslaving power of sin itself. They're freed. Amen. They're freed from false religion. They're freed from the delusions of a false teacher. What freedom? Jesus said in John 8, 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then down in verse 36, Jesus said that, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Folks, when we preach Christ, we are preaching freedom. But you know, the point, the second main point is God intends for Christians to scatter gospel seed even where we don't want to. Philip would not have really wanted to go to Samaria if it were not for the divine calling of God and the transformation God worked in his life. As a Jew, he would not have wanted to go preach to the Samaritans. Anybody else, Lord? Not the Samaritans. But let me ask you this. What do you think a Samaritan would look like to us in 2023 America? Maybe somebody that's different from us. Maybe a little scary. Or from a different religious background. Somebody that's easily identified with a subculture that makes us uncomfortable. Maybe a transient person. Or maybe a transgender person. Folks, we should be willing to scatter gospel seed wherever we go because the Lord is saving all kinds of people. Even people that might be a little scary to us 
Who are we? And may God forgive us for being so proud as to discern, oh, that person would never accept the gospel. They are so far into sin. Hey, folks, you know what? Sin never satisfies. Proverbs 29, 20, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. Sin sin always enslaves and drags men downward and downward into a a spiral of deeper and deeper, deeper slavery, deeper addiction, more and more of a thirst and a hunger for things that will never satisfy, for peace and fulfillment are only found in the freedom of faith in Jesus Christ. And those who blaspheme and those who persecute the gospel, only God knows the heart. And maybe their persecution, maybe their great perversions are a plea for help. Because they have been so deceived. Hope has been stolen from them time and time again. Folks, understand this. People are never the enemy. It is Satan who has blinded their minds. We are fighting a spiritual warfare. And then the third thing that I want you to see is this. That God intends for those who believe on Jesus to be baptized. Look, if you would, with me in verse 12. The Bible says in verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is part of the great commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What do we teach? We teach the gospel. We teach men that God's word is, the Bible is the infallible truth. It is God's eternal unchanging truth. And in it, we have instruction for how we can be reconciled to God. And you're reconciled to God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. The only way your sins can be forgiven. The only way you can have eternal life is through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel tells us that the word of God has concluded all under sin. It shows man his guilt. We've broken God's law. We deserve the penalty of eternal death and hell. For the Bible declares that the wages of sin is death. Revelation 20, 14, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How can I know that my name is written in the book of life? I come to Jesus Christ, the Prince of life. The one who said... In Luke chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And you come to him by faith and in absolute dependence and you receive eternal life. We are to preach that, but you know what? That's not where we stop. The Bible says we're to teach all nations. Then what are we to do? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've said unto you. Do you see an order there? Once they've trusted Christ as their Savior after we proclaim the gospel, then we are to encourage them to follow in baptism. Why? Because that is is the lord's command is it a part of salvation no you say what is baptism i put it this way baptism is an outward indication of an internal change of heart that a person has put faith in jesus christ it is my outward testimony that i have put my faith in jesus christ i have died to a system of religion by good works i have died to my own philosophy of life to avail me anything i have turned from myself And I've turned from sin and I've turned to Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive me, to cleanse me, to give me everlasting life. 
That is the gospel. That's what I am to preach. And that's what I preach through believer's baptism. It is evidence that I have put my faith in Christ. And now I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because baptism is not only a public testimony of salvation, but it's also the public commitment to obedient discipleship. And it really is the first step down the path of following Jesus Christ. If Christ has given us such a clear command that once we are saved, we are to follow and identify with him by believer's baptism, and we're not willing to do that, do you really think we're going to listen to other commands that he has for us, to obey them and to truly follow him? Christ himself gave us the order in Matthew 28, 19. And so based on the word of God, I would say this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you've been baptized. You say, wait a minute, does that mean safe? No, 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 no. I'm talking about if you are truly a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you've been biblically baptized. Okay, listen carefully. Because being believers, being baptized is the normative pattern in the scripture it's in line with a great commission if you believed and not been baptized yet you're not following the biblical pattern and so i encourage you in this look jesus christ hung on the cross in open shame for you he bore the penalty of your sin and was exposed fully to the divine wrath of the father's holiness upon sin He died unashamed for your sin. He was buried, being God, he conquered death and rose again for you. And you've received him. He is your savior. You know you have eternal life. I admonish you to follow the command of Christ in order to be a disciple of his and follow him by being baptized. Again, it is not necessary to salvation it is necessary if you are going to be a disciple of jesus christ if you're going to follow him and be a faithful christian it starts with obedience to this command to be baptized so we come to this time of application in our invitation i have several admonitions for you this morning The first would be this, accept by faith the gift of salvation that Jesus offers you and know the joy of true freedom. It could be that somebody has joined us by way of live stream and you don't know for sure if you were to die today where your soul would spend eternity. It could be there's somebody here in our auditorium. You may have come to Berean for years and years, but there is a nagging doubt in your heart. Or it may be even as a testimony of one of the deacons in the church where I was youth pastor in Pennsylvania who gave testimony after he trusted Christ as his Savior during a revival meeting. I knew I was not saved. And every time the gospel was preached, the Spirit of God spoke to me and I knew I was not saved. But so many people thought I was saved. I'd lied so much to myself, I'd almost convinced myself was saved, but I could not get away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit when the gospel was preached. And that may be where you are. Listen, God's grace is for you. Won't you come to him today and receive the gift of eternal life and know true freedom? Believers, acknowledge the fact that it's not by accident that you live and work exactly where you are and that you keep seeing some of the same people in the community. God's preparing soil He's called all Christians to scatter the seed everywhere. So make yourself available, pray for opportunities, and scatter the seed. This morning in the invitation, and you're a believer, just pray and say, Lord, 
Do you intend all believers to scatter the seed? You intend us to scatter the seed of the gospel even in places where naturally in our flesh we may not want to. And Lord, I want to be an obedient disciple. I want to scatter the seed because you're preparing hearts. You're preparing soil. Lord, would you lead me to that person? You may just want me to plant the seed of the gospel. They've never truly heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And you give me that opportunity, Lord, I'd plant that seed. Or maybe water that seed. Maybe others have talked to them and prayed for them. And they've not yet trusted Christ. And I can come along and I can share the gospel. And maybe it's just a different voice or a little different perspective. But they will have the seed of the gospel watered. Well, Lord, I'd also love to be in that harvest field where that field is ripe and ready to harvest. Oh, Lord, it'd be a joy to be able to lead somebody to faith in your son, Jesus Christ. But Lord, I'm just this morning, as a believer, I'm making myself available. I'm telling you, Lord, that I want to be obedient. And Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, keep me vigilant to look for and to pray for opportunities, divine appointments to share the gospel. What does that look like, by the way? Is it every person that you suspect is not a believer, you're supposed to preach the gospel to them? Hey, sit down here. I'm going to preach the gospel to you for 15 minutes, you know, because I'm supposed to be scattering the seed. No, you know, it looks like different things. We've got these cool little pieces of paper in the back in these racks. They're called gospel tracts. And you can take a gospel tract and you can leave them at the restaurant with a generous tip. And you can hand them out to people and you get into conversations. I was flying one time with a guy praying for an opportunity to witness to him. He, uh, he purchased one of those box lunch things, you know. He had been involved studying these books. I kind of glanced over it. It was all these mathematical equations. I mean, it, I could make no sense of it. I'm like, man, this guy's brilliant beyond brilliant. And uh, I wanted to talk to him about the gospel if I had a chance. And he's eating, he buys this box lunch. And I said, hey, is it any good? He goes, well, it's not worth 10 bucks, you know. <laughs> but I'm hungry, and so I guess it is worth it. And he ate it. And I said, hey, what are all these books? What do you do? He and his partner co-owned a company that built flight simulators to train pilots in the, on, in the airlines. And that's why he had all these mathematical equations. They were working on another simulator. Well, I talked with him and stuff, and, and uh, his name was Paul. And I said, hey, that's a Bible name. Do you know much about the Bible? He says, no. He grew up in Canada and everything. And, but we, we talked, and then it kind of waned off. And we're flying, and guess what God did? God sent us a bunch of turbulence. And it must have been pretty serious because this guy who knows all about aviation is gripping his chair and his, walk, and his knuckles are white. There is sweat beating on his forehead. He is scared to death. And when the turbulence kind of settled a little bit, I said, you know what, Paul? I said, if this plane goes down, I know I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. I'm not afraid to die. How about you? He said, I'm afraid to die. Plane landed. I had a word with Paul of prayer. He let me pray for him. I gave him two gospel tracts. And I still pray for Paul. But I had an opportunity to plant the seed of the gospel that day. It was an opportunity. Every time I get on a plane, do I get to witness to somebody? No, I wish I did. A lot of times people have things in their ears. And they just go like that. They don't want anything to do with anybody. They're just on the plane. And that's it. You know, there are times when we'll go out. Matter of fact, Steve Minion and I went out for lunch this week. Went to a restaurant, and as I often do, I asked the waitress, I said, hey, you know, in a few minutes when you bring our food, we're going to pray for our food and ask the Lord to bless it. 
If you'd be thinking about something that I could pray for you or your family about, please let me know when you come back and bring the food. Well, when she came back, as, as sometimes happens, I asked her, I said, well, she goes, oh, I kind of forgot. I said, that's okay. Does anything come to mind? She goes, well, you know, our world's in a really bad place right now. I said, yeah, it sure is. And she goes, just pray for our world. I said, okay. You know what? So I, I really didn't get a chance to witness to her, but I did leave the gospel track. But there have been times when I've been at other restaurants. Krista and I were at a restaurant one time. And um, I asked the young lady that was our waitress. She said, I'm, because she and Ivy got to talk. And, and she said, I'm, I think she's like 23, 24 years old, something like that. And we asked her what we could pray about. She goes, I just found out I have cancer. I said, wow. I said, I, I pray that, that, that everything will go well. I'd like to have a word of prayer with you about that. But I said, you know, you can, you can know that you have peace with God. And uh, I'm going to leave you a gospel track that, that tells you about that. She's very busy in the restaurant. But you know, she stood there while we prayed for her. And an opportunity to leave her a gospel track. Pray that she comes to know Christ as her Savior. What I'm saying is this. It's not everybody that you meet that you're going to get to engage in a gospel conversation. But you can begin to approach the subject. And if God opens up that opportunity, you can share. And if they're closed off... Maybe you get a chance to leave a track. Maybe they don't even want that. Folks, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to scatter the seed as God opens up the opportunities. So would you commit and make yourself available to the gospel? God, I, I want an opportunity like that. Does that draw your heart? I want an opportunity to talk to somebody like that on the plane or in a restaurant or out in a park or in my neighborhood. Pray and ask God for those opportunities. Make yourself available. God will answer that prayer. It's according to his will. And I think there's something else that, I, that I'd like to make by way of application. Do you realize that evangelism is not a spiritual gift? Now, there's the gift of the office of an evangelist to the church. But Paul told a pastor, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. We're all given the work of an evangelist to do. We're all to spread gospel seed everywhere. So to say, well, I don't have that spiritual gift is a cop-out. Because it's not true. Has God given certain people in their personality more of a propensity towards that? Maybe so. But guess what? God is in the business of transforming us, including our personalities and he can make you a gospel seed sower if you will just make yourself available. But acknowledge that evangelism is not a, quote, spiritual gift. It's a command. We don't all have to do it the same way. It could be that it's like some of the stuff I've shared with you. It might be just leaving a gospel tract. It might be starting an evangelistic Bible study. We have some guys in our church that are inviting fellow officers to a Bible study for the sake of giving out the gospel. We have a lady in our church who's invited ladies in her neighborhood to do a Bible study for the sake of reaching them with the gospel. So maybe that is something that you could do or that you could host. I was really excited this last week that there's one of the young men in our youth group that came to our youth pastor and said, Hey, Pastor Mike, I want to learn how to be a gospel witness. Will you show me? Can we talk about that? Can you teach me? Man, that's a heart that I want every believer at Berean Baptist Church to have. Not just every believer at Berean Baptist Church, every believer, every born-again believer everywhere. We're going to have an outreach April 29th called Grayson Days. 
We're going to have a booth set up. We're going to be at Grayson Days. We're going to have some church literature. We're going to have some brochures about some other upcoming outreach events. We'll have bottles of water. We'll have gospel tracts. We're just going to connect with people in that community. And we're going to do other outreach activities like that this fall. Instead of having a week of evangelistic meetings, which I love doing those, but instead of that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to target some things like Gwinnett County Fair and try to get in there and get a booth there and share the gospel there. And some of these other community days and little fairs and things like that. And we're going to get grassroots and try to get the gospel to people. And we're facilitating that. So you say, well, I'm not good at that. Well, why don't you come and pair up with somebody who is and learn and pray and ask God to change you. How are you going to learn unless you start doing it? And you know what? Let me say this. God's bigger than your mistakes. So don't be afraid for his glory to attempt great things for him. If you've been saved, but you've not been baptized since you were born again, I encourage you, you need to obey God's command and commit to being a disciple. And that commitment comes through the public declaration that you're saved And now you want to follow him because we usually, and I love doing a baptismal service on Easter Sunday. We're not going to have one this coming Easter Sunday because we're going to be back in fellowship hall. This whole area is going to be closed off. And so we won't be have use of our baptismal pool, but we will set a date. So if you say, Hey, I'm a believer. I've not yet been scripturally baptized. I want to follow the Lord. I'm ready to make that commitment to be a disciple then see me and let me know. And we, are, we will set up a date, a general date. We'll announce it so that we can get several people lined up and we will have another baptismal service so that you can obey this command as God is working in your heart. Let's bow our heads this morning as we get ready to conclude our morning service. Lord, you did a great work through your servant, Philip as he proclaimed the gospel to those that were in Samaria. Oh Lord, you empowered him to preach the gospel. But as he was preaching the gospels, others were also scattering the seed of the gospel. And the Samaritans were listening, giving heed, holding on in their mind to the gospel. Many of them then believing on Christ and experiencing the greatest joy any person could ever experience, the joy of entering into a living relationship with you, knowing that their sins are cleansed and forgiven, that they have eternal life, knowing that their eternal future is forever settled. But Lord, we ask that you would continue to work in the soil of the hearts of people around us. And would you, Father, help us to intersect those, set up, Lord, those divine appointments of those whose soil of the heart you are preparing to receive the seed, that we may sow the seed in good ground. But Lord, we can't always discern what's good ground. And we know according to the parable of the sower, he scattered seed everywhere. We know sometimes the seed that we scatter may fall on thorny ground or stony ground or the beaten path. But Lord, help us to scatter seed everywhere. May we be busy about your business, the Great Commission. And help us, Lord, then to encourage others to walk in obedience to you. Help us, Lord, at Berean Baptist Church through sound Bible teaching and through practical training to help to mature and equip believers to be like Christ and to fulfill his commission and purpose for their life. Lord, if there's anybody here today 
or watching by way of live stream who's still confused about the good news of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, would you, through your Holy Spirit, shine the light of truth in their understanding. Father, would you draw them to faith in your Son? Would you make the gospel clear to them, the, the love of Christ tangible in their hearts? And may they respond to that love by obeying the truth to repent of their sin and to place their faith in your Son. Bring other believers into their lives that can help to clarify that truth and lead them to faith in you. And may we be faithful servants of the gospel, scattering the seed everywhere, sharing the gospel even with people that maybe in our flesh we wouldn't want to, would be hesitant to. Because God, you are saving people everywhere, all kinds of people. And we rejoice in that. So Lord, would you do a work in our invitation time now? Help us to be obedient as you've moved in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me at this time? Our musicians are going to play a hymn of invitation. I'll be down here at the front center aisle. Pastor Blake and Charlotte are away on vacation. The Bowmans are out of town. I'll just be at the center aisle. If you need to see somebody, uh, come and see me, especially if it's in the matter of salvation. I'll, I'll pair you up with a trained Bible counselor, take the word of God, take you to a quiet place, show you the way of salvation, answer your questions from the Bible so you can trust in Christ and settle that matter. If you're a believer and you just like to come and kneel at the altar here and say, Lord, I want to make myself available to be obedient, to be a, a gospel seed sower and scatterer. Oh, Lord, give me those opportunities. Teach me how to do this. I'm committing myself to do that today. If you want to come and kneel and pray before the Lord, that's great. If you need some help with that, if you need find the, the young person that came to Pastor Mike and said, I want to learn how, uh, come and let me or one of the other pastors know that. It would be our delight to help you with that. But let's be serious about doing our Father's business. Heavenly Father, now again, just as we begin this invitation, we know that the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh Lord, in your grace, empower us in the new man to choose, to surrender, to submit to the work that you're doing in our hearts and empower us to be obedient Lord, for those today that maybe have been faithful to scatter the seed of the gospel, but they've not seen much fruit, uh, Father, I pray that you would give them great encouragement. May they not quit or give up. May they be obedient, knowing, Lord, that we leave the results with you and that only eternity will, re will reveal the full results of faithful service rendered here. Again, we pray for those without Christ, that they would trust you as Savior, for those who need to take that step of commitment as a believer to follow you in baptism. May they commit to that today, and may you be glorified through all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As our musicians begin to play, would you remain with your heads bowed? If you'd like to come and meet with somebody or kneel here and pray today, right now, the invitation is open. Would you come?